Heavenly Father, we come before you today because we know that you speak to us. You speak to us in your word. And in your word, Lord, you give us life, and that life is everlasting. We thank you also that in your word you transform us by your Holy Spirit. So I ask, Heavenly Father, that today we would have humble hearts, that we would have hearts of humility to hear your word, to receive your word, and, and to receive that work of your spirit in our hearts and our minds. Thank you, Lord, for this gathering today. Thank you that in this gathering we are being transformed. And I thank you that as we are transformed as individuals and as a congregation, you are calling us to go with the good news of the gospel. Help us, Lord, to remember that what we do in here is for out there. As we go and as we live our lives as a holy sacrifice to you, as we live our lives as an act of worship to you, in our jobs, in our families, in our neighborhoods, Lord Jesus, help us to live our lives to your glory and to your honor through the leading of your spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Today we go to uh, Acts chapter 11. Acts chapters 10 and 11 go together. Some of you may be familiar with the account from Acts chapter 10, how the Holy Spirit led Peter to Cornelius' home, and how the gospel of Jesus Christ was then brought to the Gentile world. So today we pick up with Acts chapter 11 as Peter goes back to the church in Jerusalem and reports to the Jerusalem church how the Gentiles had received the message of the gospel. You see, this was a revolution for, the Jewish, for these Jewish Christians. To think that the gospel was not only for Jews, but also for Gentiles. I think that probably most of us here today are Gentiles. So we can say, thank you, Lord, that the gospel went to Gentiles too. Otherwise, we would not be here today. We would still be in darkness. But the gospel has come even to us. So we go to Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 18 today. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men, or in other words, you went to Gentile men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying. And in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, what God has made clean. Do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we went and we entered the man's house. 
And he told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as, it, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent. And they all glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Here ends the reading. Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 11, give the historical account of the early church experiencing a big change, a massive change in the way they thought about ministry and in the way they did ministry. It was the inclusion of different races of people into the community of Christian fellowship. It was the inclusion of Gentiles as an evangelistic focus of the church. But this change, this change was very difficult for the early church. Look again at verses 2 and 3 of Acts chapter 11. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him. So the early church criticized Peter for going into the house of a Gentile. They said, you went to Gentile men and you ate with them? Unheard of for a Jew to enter into the home of a Gentile and to share a meal. I don't know about you, but I can identify with these Jewish people because I don't like change. I don't like change. But there are areas in my life that need to change. I don't stand before you as, as one who is perfect by any means. There are areas in my life that need to change. I don't want to change, but I have to change. Let me explain. When I'm finished uh, getting ready in the morning, I leave a big mess in the bathroom. When I'm finished cooking dinner, I leave a mess in the kitchen. After I finish a project in the yard, I leave a mess there. Just ask my wife, I'm a messy person. She doesn't like it. She doesn't like it. You see, I don't care about the messes I leave behind. It doesn't bug me, but just ask my wife. It makes her mad. And she gets mad at me, and she yells at me, and she tells me to pick up my mess. So I'm working on changing, and I think my wife is happy about that. I'm working on changing because my wife Katie is sick and tired of picking up after my messes. I'm learning. There's a better way. And that better way for me is to pick up my own mess. 
I'm sure that Peter and the rest of the church liked their church just the way it was, kind of like I like my mess just the way it is. I like my mess because I actually know where everything is. I don't lose things until I start putting things away. So these Jews, they're thinking, Peter, you're bringing a big change here. And this change is uncomfortable. It's difficult. You see, they didn't want the mess of welcoming strange people into their church. You see, they ate Jewish foods and they liked their Jewish foods. But Peter was told by God, get up, kill, and eat all manner of strange foods. They shared Jewish culture. They sang Jewish songs. They talked Jewish lingo. Everything about the early church had a Jewish flavor to it. Adding Gentiles into the mix would cause their comfort bubble to be burst. The Gentiles would introduce strange food, strange language, strange customs, strange ways of talking and dealing with things. So they said to Peter, you went to Gentile men and you ate with them? You see, churches don't like change. Churches do not like change. I've heard it said that it's easier to plant a new church than to move an established church in a new direction. And many pastors do just that. They would say, I would rather plant a new one than to try to get this ship to change course. And that's what they do. And we understand that. It's like restoring an old house. Anyone who has the task, of, has taken on the, the job of restoring an old house would say after they're all done, it would have been easier to tear it down and start from new. Start brand new with a brand new foundation all the way up. It's difficult to move in a new direction, to turn a corner, to head in the direction that the Holy Spirit is calling the church to go when a church has been on its course and established on its course for so long. That is until the Holy Spirit changes hearts. Until the Holy Spirit changes hearts, until there is a revival towards Jesus' program for his church. In the book of Acts, the church was no different. The Holy Spirit's plan for the early church was to move in a new direction. And that new direction is recorded for us in Acts chapter 10. In Acts 10, the Holy Spirit moved the early church through the leadership of Peter to reach the Gentiles with the gospel. Revolutionary. I believe that we can utilize the book of Acts and use it to serve as a template for navigating change in the church today. Number one, we go to Acts chapter 11, verse 5. How do we navigate change? How do we navigate change in our lives or in within, our, within our congregation? Acts chapter 11, verse 5, I was in the city of Joppa. What was Peter doing in the city of Joppa? What does it say? He was praying. I was in the city of Joppa 
praying. And that is when this vision of the sheet came down. And he began to understand God's program and the direction in which God was leading the early church. Where does the vision for a fresh direction start? Where does it start? It starts in prayer. It starts in prayer. You see, when Peter went on, uh, up onto the roof that, that day at noon in the city of Joppa, and as he began his time of prayer, he had no idea that the Holy Spirit was going to lead him and the church in a completely new and different direction. It all started in prayer. You see, I'm quick to talk about what I think the church should be. I have a lot of ideas of what the church should be. But I'm slow to ask God what he thinks the church should be. Isn't that true of us? We're quick to share our opinion and we're slow to bend the knee and to pray and to ask God, what is your plan, what is your vision, and what is your direction for the church? I believe the church, the church will gain a fresh understanding of God's direction when we pray. Not just opening meetings and services in prayer or praying for the needs of others. We need to do all of those things, but truly making prayer the focus. To make prayer the focus. I believe that our various meetings and services might be more productive if we take more time to pray. If we make prayer a greater priority within the life of our congregation. What happens when we pray? Look at Acts 11.7. Acts 11.7. Peter said, and I heard a voice, and I heard a voice. Acts chapter 11, verse 12, and the Spirit told me. The Spirit told me. Why is it that when we talk to God, we call it prayer, but when God speaks to us, we call it schizophrenia? Why is that the case? Shouldn't we expect God to speak to us? To guide us and to lead us? Now the primary way that God speaks to us is in his word, right? Now we need to test every claim of hearing the voice of God against this. If someone says, I have a word from the Lord and it doesn't agree with this, we know that it's not a word from the Lord. But when we pray, we should have this expectation that God is going to lead, that God is going to speak, and that God is going to move. Bottom line, when we pray, we shouldn't be surprised when God speaks and gives us direction. When we know it, this is the program, this is the plan that God has. So the early church was a praying church led by the Holy Spirit, the template that we see from this passage for navigating change for a congregation. Number one, it is 
prayer. It is prayer. Number two, it is being led by the Holy Spirit. What was the impact of a praying church, a praying church led by the Holy Spirit? What has the impact been on your life? If the church had not been committed to praying and being led by the Holy Spirit, would you be here as a Christian today? Probably not. How will they ever come to believe in Jesus if they do not hear? So the direct result of a praying church that is led by the Holy Spirit will be the message of the gospel being proclaimed to unbelievers. How many of you here came to faith in Jesus Christ through the ministry of Maple Park? That is the direct result of a praying congregation obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit to go and to share the gospel. So the result, the impact of a praying church led by the Holy Spirit is this, you are saved. You are saved. A Gentile, a Gentile brought in to God's fold, into the congregation or the assembly of saints. You, a person with strange customs and strange foods, of a strange language, have heard about Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins. And now today you have this gift of salvation. When the, when the Spirit moves, Jesus' mission goes forth. Look at Acts chapter 11, verses 12 through 14. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house, and he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter, and he will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. It started with prayer. The Holy Spirit orchestrated all of it. There's a book that I like. It's called Mission in Christ Way by Leslie Newbegin. And he speaks of the move of the Holy Spirit in this little book called Mission in Christ Way. He writes this. He says, I have come more and more to see the truth of this in my own experience. When I was a young missionary in India, I think I was fairly active in preaching and visiting and discussing with Hindu scholars and doing the things that a missionary ought to do. And I did find that people were being drawn to Christ, converted and baptized. But I also soon realized that this did not seem to have any visible connection with my activities. If one inquired how exactly this or that person had come to faith in Christ, there were all sorts of elements in the story of which I knew nothing at all. In the same way, I often had the experience of receiving a request from a village for Christian teaching. When, as I, when I tried, as I usually did, to find out what had happened to prompt this request, I always found that there were many different ways in which the Spirit had touched the hearts of the people in the village and led them to seek further. I remember very specially one occasion when I was taking a confirmation in one of the industrial areas in Madras. As I talked with those to be confirmed, 
I found that more than half of them had only been baptized in the past few weeks. I learned from the pastor that in this area of heavy industry, there had been 40 adult baptisms in the past 18 months. I asked him to invite these 40 people to give me an account of how each of them had been brought to Christ. In due course, I was able to read their stories. What struck me was not only that each story was different, but also that within each story, there were many different experiences spread over many years. It could be a talk with a workmate on the factory floor, a visit from a Christian friend during illness, the reading of a tract or a gospel portion, some quiet act of kindness in a time of trouble, a sermon, a prayer answered, or very often a dream or a vision. No one could have programmed this all, all of this, the strategy, if that is the right word, was not in any human hands, but one factor was common to it all. It was the presence of a believing, praying, worshiping, celebrating congregation of people deeply involved in the ordinary life of their neighborhood. These many different happenings had their center there and drew those whose lives had been touched in so many different ways to ask what was the source from which all this radiated. This was no humanly devised program for mission. It was the work of the Spirit, present in the life of the congregation, flowing out into the community through the faithful words and deeds of its members. It is this kind of experience, confirming what the Scripture seems to teach, that leads me to say, that mission is wrongly understood if it is seen primarily as a task laid upon us. It is primarily a work of the Spirit, a spillover from Pentecost. Church, this is why we pray. This is why we seek the direction of the Holy Spirit. We cannot program the mission and the success of Maple Park it starts with prayer, to be led by the Holy Spirit, to interact in our neighborhoods so that people come to know Christ as Savior. When the Holy Spirit moves, people are saved by Jesus. And ultimately, God is glorified. God is glorified. His name is lifted up. If then God gave them the same gift to them as he gave to us, Peter says in Acts chapter 11, 17 through 18, if then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent. And then what did they do? And they glorified God. They gave glory to God. So here we have these critical Jewish people who were offended at the fact that Peter had ate, eaten with Gentiles, and now they are giving glory to God, saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Remember those stubborn churchmen who didn't like change? Those who criticized Peter's actions? Notice, they were also converted. 
This speaks not only of the conversion of Gentiles, but of the conversion of Peter and of the early church. When the Holy Spirit moves, he not only converts the unsaved, he converts me too, and he converts you. How many of you would say, I'm saved, but I still need to be changed? I still need to be changed. Don't ever think of yourself as arriving at some sort of spiritual plateau. Don't think of yourself as somebody who has arrived and you have nothing else to learn and you have nothing else to to gain in your relationship with God. Always trust that you need the Holy Spirit at work within you to change your heart. God is glorified when we are changed by the Holy Spirit and when we are used by the Holy Spirit in his mission. I don't like change. I like my mess. Just come visit me in my office sometime. I like my mess. As soon as I start putting papers into files, I can't find them. I like my old ways. But my wife doesn't like my old ways. She wants me to change. And to be quite honest, you know, my messiness is just scratching the surface of my problems. You scratch much deeper. And God says, I don't like your old ways either. What I like is not what God likes. What I like needs to be brought into submission to the will of God. In summary, navigating change as a congregation, it starts with prayer. God moving us to pray. And right now I'm praying that God would move us to deeper prayer. So it starts with prayer. God speaks. We talk to him, we call it prayer. God talks to us, it should be natural. He speaks. He speaks primarily through his word. But I also believe that we will sense the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit redirects. Don't be surprised when he moves. If we're in prayer, he's going to move us. Ultimately, towards the direction for which he's given us the Holy Spirit, people are saved. And through it all, we'll be changed. We'll become a different people. And it's all to the glory of God. It's all to his glory. Another way to say it is that we gather. We gather as God's people to to pray and to hear his word. And as we do that, we are a people who are transformed. The Holy Spirit does a work within us. And that change that he affects within our lives causes us to be a people who go who go as his missionary people into this community, all to the glory of God. Amen. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness and your faithfulness today. I pray for this congregation. 
and I pray for myself. I ask, Heavenly Father, that you would continue this process of change, of setting us apart for your plans and your purposes. I pray that you would do this through us so that we would be a people in line with your program, in line with your plan and your purpose for our congregation in the future. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you sent the gospel to Cornelius' house. We thank you that the, the gate, the door was opened for the gospel to go to Gentiles. And because of that, the gospel was passed down from generation to generation to generation. And today, we believe and we are saved. We thank you for this, Lord. But yet there are many who have never heard. Send us forth, Lord Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.